chapter 15. Now, here, here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm preaching a message this morning, and then tonight we'll have our, our night service. And uh, it's new songs, it's new worship, it's a new sermon. But uh, these sermons go together. And so probably I'm going to start with these same uh, set of scriptures tonight as well. But I, I want to preach to you from, from this thought and uh, the first thought that I want to preach to you this morning, the first message, I want to preach to you on the subject of what it means to be grafted. grafted. And then tonight, we're going to talk about being fruitful because the whole purpose of being grafted is so that you bear fruit. And uh, it bears out, no pun intended. Let me, uh, let's get to tonight. But let, let's read this, John chapter 15 and verse 1. Of course, red letter in your Bible. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch that is in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except that ye abide in me. For I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing." If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. For herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As my Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, hopefully I can do, do my, my duty today as, the, as the, the preacher and to expound on this and let you see the truth that's there that maybe you don't quite understand the grafting process or what it means. But there is incredible truth. And remember, Jesus didn't waste words. Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about, and I want to do that. Father, we thank you today. Lord, I'm so appreciative of your, your response to our worship. The more I worship and lift you up, the more your presence flows and filtrates this place. And I'm asking now that, that our hearts might be ready to receive the word. That, Lord, every hard or stony place, God, every rocky place, every place that wasn't fit for the implantation of the word is now ready to receive. I ask that we would not only hear the word, but be doers of the word. And we give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Grafted. Uh, Jesus was looking at his people. And he says unto them, I am the vine. Now other places he says, I'm the head. Other places he says, I'm the chief cornerstone. Here's the key. He's the boss. <laughs> Without him, I'm nothing. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. There's a lot of people that, that, that give that verse mixed up. I can do all things. But no, it's I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And uh, I, I don't know how many times I've preached, how many times we sing it, but God desires to bring people back into a relationship with himself. The understanding is this. We once were connected. We once in, were in a relationship, but sin 
severed that relationship. It's songs that go talking about the great gulf that did span between God and man. It's that that uncrossable chasm that you and I cannot get across without his help. And it's here that God says, I've desired a communion. I've desired a relationship with mankind. And the only way he could do that was a grafting process. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn. I'm Obviously, the verses I read earlier was in the King James. Let me read this in the English Standard Version. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Romans chapter 11. And in the book of Romans chapter 11, and I'll kind of read it, paraphrase it, do a little bit. It's one of the clearest pictures of how a sinner is grafted in. Now remember Paul, he has a he has a purpose of what he's writing. Paul is writing not only to the Romans but also to the Greeks, to the to the the Jews. He's he's covering God's uh, original chosen people. But he doesn't let them slide and and he tells them, "Look, you you messed up. You didn't receive it. You didn't accept it when Jesus walked on this place. You 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 shunned him. You crucified him. Uh, and so because of that, the Lord is allowing salvation. And, and this was always God's plan. It wouldn't have ever stayed just to the Jews, but the Jews would have had a much greater part in it if they would have accepted it. But but Paul writes in the book of, of Romans chapter eleven. Uh, And he asked the question, did they stumble in order that that they might fall? And he says, by no means. Rather, it was through their trespass that salvation has come to the Gentiles. And and on and on. I'm not going to read every time it says this, but uh, God God is a a master of um, the the word literally just went away. Um, When you try to get a kid to do something, uh, reverse psychology. There it is. I have to think for a minute. How many of you parents have tried reverse psychology on your children? I have, yeah. God is like that, and, and, and in it, it says that, that God is giving salvation to the Gentiles to make the Jews jealous. Now, that sounds kind of uh, petty. It sounds kind of trite, but you, you need to see it the way God sees it, not the way you and I see jealousy. But God says, I'm going to give a great gift to the Gentiles so that you who had it, it was in the palm of your hands, you can realize how much you could have had and hopefully it brings you back into a relationship. And so this is all talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. But here's what it says. Uh, if, the, if, the, if the root is holy... This is uh, the end of verse 16. If the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although you were a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and you now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. And then it goes on, and it says, don't be arrogant. Don't act like you're better than the Jews because you're going to fall. You're going to have your own issues. But, but it introduces this wild olive shoot being grafted into a established Rootstock. Now, you and I, we don't we don't do a lot of olive uh, tree plantings. Although I did see a kind of a neat thing. There was a restaurant where uh, they they serve you. It's a Mediterranean restaurant, and they serve you your olives. I kind of like those purple Greek olives and green olives. My wife loves the black olives, but there's a restaurant that serves you the Greek olives underneath a baby Greek bonsai tree. That's kind of cool. They bring this olive tree out. It's got little olive branches and olive uh, things on there. But we don't think much in terms of olive trees. However, we do think of terms in, in uh, vineyards. 
What you see in this picture, those little white uh, things, those are graphs. And, and what the, uh, how many of you have went out to Lowe's or Home Depot or the nursery and you've bought a, a, a little tree, you know, it's not very big, you bought a little tree and you brought it home and you planted it and it died. The reason many times it dies is because that's a baby tree. And it requires a little bit more care than normal. Uh, my dad, in fact, last night we were over at my parents' house. We, we celebrated my mother's birthday in true Brandon Buford fashion a month late. I, I, did, I wanted her to make sure I know her and love her, but, you know, I don't want it to be on the day she's born. So we'll wait a month and then we'll, we'll make it up. About the time she gives up hope that her son loves her, I come through. And, uh, I mean, my wife came through. She bought the gift and signed the card and wrapped the gift and made the food, but I was there. And uh, so we're at my mom and dad's house, and, and, and if you've ever seen my mom and dad's house, they are the, 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 the most incredible gardening people you've ever seen in your life. Their, their yard looks like a, a page out of Better Homes and Gardens. Their, their yard could be in any magazine. It's there. And, and uh this process of grafting, my dad has told me that, you know, you go buy one of those baby trees, you plant it in the ground, you better pour a lot of, of what they call root stimulator to get it, the roots growing, and you better water it, and you better uh, fertilize it, because it just can't handle being thrown out on their own. No more can a little baby, one of our babies, be thrown out into the world and on their own. But you take us adults, we can kind of get thrown out in the world and we'll make it through. We'll have some hard times, ups and downs, but we'll figure it out. The same is true when it comes to the trees. And so a, a experienced uh, gardener, especially those that are in the vineyards, realizes we don't need to go take a baby uh, grapevine and plant it in the ground and just hope it works. So what they do is they go get what's called root stock. This is an old... Uh, uh, trunk so to speak of the grapevines its its roots have run very deep it's got some thickness it's got uh, layers it's able to withstand and they take an existing rootstock and then they say you know what we want this kind of a grape or you know we, we want a grape that's good for eating or we want a grape that's good for juice or those that do it we want a grape that's good for wine and they take a a, a vine and they graft it into the rootstock there's many different ways to graft. I, 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 I've told this story. It's been probably a couple years ago, but um, my, my, dad, my mom and dad, they live on a half acre uh, of, of ground, and it's long, and it was perfect when I was growing up because we could play football and we could play baseball, and, and dad loved us, and he tried to keep the middle of that yard open so we could do all that. But dad had fruit trees, and dad had these trees he planted, and he really liked them. And every once in a while, we'd get carried away throwing the football or the baseball, and Brother Matt, we'd knock a branch off. And I have been known uh, to, I've since repented, but I've been known to pick up the branch that I broke off of his tree and throw it over the neighbor's wooden fence so that my daddy wouldn't see the tree limb that I broke. It didn't matter that it was a you know, stump that's all cracked or broken. But I remember one time that I, I broke a branch off of his dogwood tree. And dad came out, and honestly, I thought he was going to take the branch and beat me with it, but that was not dad's doing. That was what mom normally did, and she wasn't there. So we were good. And so dad came out, and he took that branch that had been broken off of the, 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 the dogwood tree, and it was very fresh. I mean, it had been broken off in the last minute or two. And dad took out his knife, and he, and he cut away. He whittled away all of the splintered parts, and he kind of made it a little pointy. 
And then he took his knife and he, he whittled away the broken parts on that dogwood tree. And he, he kind of whittled a hole in there and he stuck that branch that I'd broke off back into that hole. And in true redneck Cajun fashion, he duct taped it together. And I laughed at him. Because it was there, but I didn't think it would ever work. But dad always likes to teach. And so dad was teaching while he was doing that the process of grafting. And last night as I went to the house, I could go right now and show you that tree branch that's been there some 20 years and it's still growing and it still produces because my dad understood what it meant to graft. And so they would graft these vines into the rootstock. And so the idea was is that you and I were not always a part of God's rootstock. We had been separated. We had been cast aside by the world and by the enemy. We, we had no life-giving sap flowing through our veins. We had nothing to look forward to. We were dead. We were dry. We were desiccated. We would have been better used for wood in a fire somewhere and some kindling. But God picked us up and he took those discarded, cast-down branches of our life and he says, I know what I can do. I can Plug you into the branch. I am the branch, or I am the, the, the vine, and you are the branches. I can plug you in. There's something incredible, something unique that happens in that grafting process. The first thing is this you were chosen. Out of all of the branches my dad decided to graft into that tree, he chose that one. Now, it just so happened to be the one I broke off, but my dad also has a tree. I think he still has it. Parts of it has died, but uh, growing up, he had a, a fruit tree, and it had a trunk. I don't know what the trunk was. It was a fruit tree trunk, but it had five branches, and when he bought it, it was called the fruit cocktail tree because one branch was a plum, one branch was a uh, 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 all the stone fruits, a plum, an apricot, a peach, there's one more that I'm missing. But it had all of these, and they had been grafted in. And so depending on the year and, and how it went, you could get five different fruits off that one tree. Someone had to choose what branch was going to get grafted in. It's not the Calvinistic doctrine of predestination. God doesn't sit on his throne and randomly choose who's going to be saved or not. But instead, it's Matthew 22:14. For many are called, but few are chosen. The choosing lies in your hand now it's kind of hard sometimes you begin to mix metaphors but if that branch that I had broken off if I could say I was the devil and I broke that branch off the tree if that branch could have walked away if that branch could have resisted the, 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 the picking up of that master gardener my dad if that branch would have said you know today I don't want to be grafted in if that branch would have hidden itself it would have lost its opportunity the gardener was willing the branch was not. But the Bible says, and we'll probably get to this tonight as well. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. The difference is there are some that want to be grafted and those that don't. You're chosen. You're chosen. Now some might say, hopefully no one here, 
some might say, now I don't know about this whole choosing thing. I was the one that walked down the altar. I was the one that came and, and knelt down. I was the one that repented. I was the one that was baptized. I was the one that, that did all that. And you might say, I chose God. Except you've got to understand it was God that first drew you into his presence. It was God that gave you that mind so you could remember your sin. Gave you a mouth so that you could repent. It was God that was waiting there when you walked down to the altar. It was God that found you in the gutter. It was God that picked you up out of your own problems and brought you into a church because he chose you. You're a chosen generation. It's the, the, the Rahab and the, the Gomer uh, or not, not Rahab, but it's, it's the uh, uh, Hosea and Gomer story that we preached about a few months ago. That word chosen generation, that word peculiar that, that Peter talks about, peculiar people. The word peculiar means that, and it was used in terms of an auction block, so to speak. If you had a, a slave that was on the auction block and, and, and people were bidding on that slave, we're going to buy him, he's going to be in bondage. If I was walking by, you ever walk somewhere in a store and you really wanted something and you wanted to keep looking and so you asked the, the person, you said, can you hold this for me? What you just did is you made, if, if you ladies, if, if you're looking at a purse or, or, or you guys, whatever it is that, that, that you're looking for, when you ask that lady or that man to hold that, you just made that a peculiar uh, uh, object. In the Bible times, if I was walking that, 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 that uh, auction block and there was somebody I wanted but I wanted to look some more, I could take my staff and I could, I could draw a circle in the sand around that person and what that meant was that person's already been spoken for. He's not yet been bought but, but it, when it gets to his time someone's already chosen him. He's a peculiar person and so you and I need to understand that it was God that found you and he drew a line around you and he was proclaiming to the whole world this is my child. I'm going to purchase him. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make him mine pigsty of your life the pig pen of your sin like the prodigal son Jesus picked your dying branch up he scraped off the mud he cleaned it all up he whittled it away he got rid of some of the parts of your life that were not conducive to living for him and he grafted you in the vine listen to me God found you at the right time at the right moment at the right place right when you needed him you're grafted you're chosen. You're tied in to God. In fact, I love it the, the, uh, where it talks about that we are baptized not just in his name. We don't have his name just applied on our lives. But look throughout the book of Romans. It says we are baptized into his name. Grafting requires an insertion of you into that place. It's Romans chapter 5 that says being therefore justified by, by faith we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That peace with God. That union with Jesus Christ. You're meshed with Him. You're grafted. You're chosen. Now your dead dry life is getting moisture. It's getting sap. It's getting nutrients. Something is coursing through your veins. See, all those branches... When you go down the, the highway, especially if you drive down Highway 44, you get around St. James and you start looking out, you'll see all those vineyards that are there. 
They're nothing compared to what they say is in Napa Valley in California. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures. But you get a, a little glimpse of it going St. James. You see acres and acres and acres of vines, grape vines, that are strung along a specially constructed fence. But all of those vines are connected at various intervals. They're connected to a branch, a root, a trunk. You know why the Bible says God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory? See, I have a problem with people. That is one verse. See, everybody could say, uh, uh, you know, the blood works for everyone, sinner, saint alike. Grace works for everyone, sinner, saint alike. But the blessings of God don't just come because you pray for them. It drives me absolutely crazy. I, have, I don't have a ton of pet peeves, but I have a pet peeve. When I start seeing all of the, these people that start praying, I decree and declare over my life, and I say this. I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't a biblical thing about that. You're not going to get one blessing of God unless you are tied in to his root because it flows from there. You can't take a dead, dry branch, throw it out in the middle of the field, and that branch stand up and says, I want all the blessings from being attached to the vine. Don't happen. That blessing comes through that insertion, that grafting process. And if you're grafted with God, he shall supply all your needs. That's why David could say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. I've been grafted. I've asked so many times in this church, I've asked so many times around others, is it really true that living for God is is worth it? Is it really true that you could say, I've had my ups and downs, but he's never forsaken me, he's never left me, I've never had to beg bread, he's always provided, it might not be exactly what I thought, it might not have been how I thought, but God has always come through. Why? Because I'm connected. I, I, I have it written down in my notes, but, but you know, it's things like the reason David could kill a giant was because he was connected to the vine. The reason Daniel can sleep with the lions is because he was connected to the vine. The reason Paul can endure shipwrecks, he was connected to the vine. Moses parting red, the Red Sea, connected to the vine. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, he was connected to the vine. Esther standing up in front of a nation and a king, why? Connected to the vine. Samson defeating the, Philipp- the, the Philippines, that's not right. Samson defeating the Philistines. <laughs> that's when your brain gets ahead of your notes, or your mouth gets ahead of your notes. Uh, the reason Samson could defeat the Philistines, he was connected to the vine. Why couldn't he do it when he was lying in the lap of Delilah? Because if you're lying in the lap of, the, of sin and that sin is separating you from the vine, you don't have that power. That's why when he, she cut his hair, he couldn't do anything because his sin had disconnected him. He had fallen away. But somewhere in those years that he was in down in that, in that, that, that dungeon milling out the corn and the hair began to grow. It wasn't just the outward signs of his covenant that gave him power. There was a repentance that happened down there. There was a, 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 if you will, an infilling of God's presence once again. And because down there in the dungeon, he got reconnected to the vine. He was able to put his hands on two pillars and knock it down and the Philistines died. And I'd like to tell you today, you can make it because you, were, you are connected. He chose you. 
How many times have you heard this verse? Jeremiah chapter 1, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the valley, I knew thee. And when before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Or, or, or Jonah, we know the Bible says that God prepared a fish for Jonah, that before his body would ever hit the sea, there was a, a, a whale waiting. You're chosen. And God in his infinite knowledge, and I don't understand it, I've tried to think about it, it makes my brain hurt. I, I, I know that, that somehow in the knowledge of God, he knows when you were going to be born. He knew how long it would take before you took a step or walked. He knew if you were going to come to the altar as a child. He knew that if you got filled with the Holy Ghost as a child or a young adult, he knew what mistakes you would make. He knew if you didn't come to God as a child and you walked life on your own and then someday yet later as an adult you came to God. He knows all of that. But he still chose you. And he said, I'm going to pick your branch up. I'm going to graft you back in. If you'll be sensitive enough to recognize when the master is working. I, I, I am very cognizant of the war that wages between good and evil, between Satan and God, between sin, the flesh, and my spirit. I understand that. But I see far too many people that, that go through life shaking in their boots, scared to death that Satan's going to always win and, and any time a tragedy or any time a circumstance comes, they're ready to throw in the towel, I'll never make it, I can't make it through, but can I just help somebody, that spirit of defeat that I start getting whiffs of here and there, I'd like to just rebuke that in Jesus' name and tell you that if you're grafted in the vine, he's not going to let you get ripped out. The Bible says no man can pluck you out of the hand of God the only thing that can separate you from the things of God is your sin and even there it doesn't separate you from his love he still loves you even though you're laying on the ground separated it's that grafting process let me just let me just I, I heard a story and again this is where I mix metaphors I understand that but I heard the story about the, the big oak tree that had a vine that was hanging down the side of it. And that vine had learned something. It, it was so small compared to that oak tree. But that vine learned something. It said no matter where the wind blew, it was going to be okay. Because if the wind blew, if, if this is the oak tree and I'm the vine, and the wind's coming from this way, the wind would hit the oak tree and it would go around the vine and that vine wouldn't be buffeted. But if the wind blew this way, it simply blew that vine tighter against the trunk of the tree. Something to grab hold of. Can I tell you today, no matter what way the wind might blow in your life, you can rest assured that if you're connected to God, it's going to be okay. The psalmist said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High uh, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. That's the God we serve because we are chosen. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the pruning that takes place once you've been grafted in. John chapter 5 said, Every branch that, or John chapter 15, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, though it may bring more fruit. He pruneth it. 
I, uh, there's, there's two people, there's two groups of people here tonight, or this morning rather. One group is a group that you've been grafted. The other group, you would sit here today and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not really connected yet. I've not experienced that grafting process. Pastor, you said earlier that we are baptized into the name of Jesus. If you've never been baptized, you're not in the name of Jesus. Let me expound a little bit more. I'm going to say it again, but the way to graft is you've got to take a branch and you've got to insert it into the vine, the trunk, the rootstock. That requires the vine, the rootstock, requires it to be wounded so that you can be implanted. Which is why the prophecy goes forth, Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. That spear pierced in his side at the end of his time on the cross was much more than just an act to see if he had died already. But it opened a wound that I might be grafted in. Those holes in his hands and his feet and around his brow. Those piercings, I'm convinced the reason the Bible uses the word pierce is because you and I would need a chance to be grafted in. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized into the precious name of Jesus. And you need to receive that life-giving, uh, uh, grafting. But those of you that says, you know, I was grafted, but it's been a long time. And I just don't know if, if everything's okay. There's a story, and I told you I'm going to be doing some of the same verses tonight. Jesus tells a parable of a, a man that owned a vineyard and he went out and there was a, a fig tree. And he tells the gardener, he says, I'm aggravated. This fig tree, I've come out three years in a row and there's not been any figs on this fig tree. And it, it don't look good. Just, just dig it up, burn it, kill it. But that keeper of the garden, that, that, that gardener said, you know what? You don't know all the time I've spent caring for this plant. In fact, tell you what, why don't you give me one more year? I'm going to dig around that tree. The Bible says I'm going to put dung around it that's fertilizer. I'm going to fertilize that tree. Give me a little bit more time to work on that tree. Come back later and see if there's not fruit on it. Some of you feel like your graft didn't take. Some of you say, well, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm connected. Can I tell you there's a gardener in heaven that's not willing to give up on you and you ought not be willing to give up on yourself. It might take some more digging. It might take taking that graft apart and redoing some things. But I just, I just hope somewhere I can impress upon you how much God loves you. That not only was he willing to graft you in the first place, but he hangs around you when you're grafted to make sure everything is going right. And he makes sure there's no pests on it to eat away. And he makes sure there's no wound that's festering there. And he makes sure that everything is going to work. That's how much he wants you connected to him. You're grafted. I want us to stand today. 
I don't know what part of that story you're at. I don't know where in my sermon your ears perked up and, and, and you felt this presence and you felt that, that tug on your heart. Because see, here's the thing. It's not my words that needs to convince you of anything. Paul says, I don't come and preach with, with, with you know, great polish and men's wisdom. I, I can't do that. This morning early, I walk in here in the sanctuary. I stopped by every row and prayed for every person. I, I asked, I said, Lord, I can't bring them. I can't draw them. But your word can. And I believe somewhere in this message, you heard something and, and, and God reached right there and he got a hold of that branch and he was beginning to pick it up. That's that drawing of God. And right now, you need to surrender to the drawing of God. I don't know what he wants to do in your life. I don't know if there's some pruning that needs to happen. I don't know if he's got to whittle away some dead parts. I don't know if he just simply needs to put you in him. But somewhere in this, you begin to feel it. And I'm praying today there's a grafting process that begins. And I want to open these altars and I want to challenge you to get out of where you are. And to walk down to an altar, it's an act of sacrifice. It's an act of reception. It's an act of saying, I, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. And I want you to let God begin to speak to you. Because somewhere in this grafting process, you found yourself. And you need to take care of the next step. Would you come as our musicians begin to play? Would you let the word of God begin to woo and draw you? Remember you're chosen. Remember he loves you so much. He wants to pick you up and give you strength and nourishment. He wants to bless you. In Jesus' name.